Good morning. Welcome to day two of SEC Football Media Days, the 2021 version. Uh, we do want to say thank you to our friends at Regions Bank for their support of our activities this week. It's my privilege to introduce Kirby Smart, who enters his sixth season as the head football coach at Georgia. He's guided the University of Georgia to four consecutive New Year's Six games. He has been involved with his family in raising funds and contributing to charities in the Athens area, including the Clark County Children's Home, Boys and Girls Clubs, the Downtown Academy. Kirby and Mary Beth were front and center back in March in Greenville, South Carolina for the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament Championship game, supporting the Georgia Bulldogs who played the University of South Carolina that day for the SEC Tournament Championship. Uh, Curry began his summer at the region's Pro-Am in a foursome with me. I would take whatever he says about my game of golf with a grain of salt because it's the last time I touched my golf clubs all summer. My privilege again to introduce the head coach of the University of Georgia Bulldogs, Kirby Smart. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Sankey, for those kind words. And I will say, since he brought it up, he is a mighty fine golfer. He poor mouths better than coaches do. And his drives are longer than some of the pros we played with and straighter. So I was uh, very impressed uh, with his golf game in Birmingham. Um, Commissioner Sankey does a great job leading this conference. Uh, he doesn't need me to say that, but I appreciate the leadership especially navigating what we've navigated in the past 15 to 16 months. He's been incredible. He's got 14 head coaches in football that all are pulling in different directions, and he manages that uh, with the best of them. He's tremendous. I learned a lot of leadership from him. He's been great. I'd also like to thank our SEC Medical Task Force. The people who give their time, I, I wish that somebody would do an article on the amount of time that Ron Corson our uh, athletic trainer who does a tremendous job. He's the head of the SEC Medical Task Force. He's spent on Zoom in the past year. He is relentless. He is constant pursuit of finding a better way of helping us have the season we had last year and also moving forward into this year. So their staff's done a tremendous job. The leadership at UGA that uh, I get to work under, President Moorhead, uh, Greg McGarity, who's, who's now done, and, and Josh Brooks is incredible. They're great leaders. They're great people. Um, they've done a wonderful job uh, making it easy to be the head coach at the University of Georgia, and I appreciate what they've done for us. Um, also, I would like to mention this will be the 50th anniversary season at the University of Georgia for our first five African-American football players that enrolled. So we're going to have uh, an opportunity to, to honor those men. They came and spoke to our team. They did a wonderful uh, job when they came and saw them. Horace King, Clarence Pope, Larry West, Richard Appleby, and Chuck Kennebrew. Those five men will be recognized uh, for what they've done, uh, being trailblazers. Uh, they were incredible when they came and spoke to the team, and I, I really enjoyed getting to meet those guys, and we look forward to honoring them at a home game this fall. Um, there's also a Lowell Dog fan and UGA grad, uh, that I'd like to send well wishes to. Um, she also happens to be uh, part of my family, my sister-in-law, uh, Annie Lysette Toothaker, and she's beginning her battle with breast cancer starting this Friday, and we wish Annie the best, and uh, we love you, Annie, and we can't wait to see you beat this tough battle. So um, 
With that said, on a lighter side, I'd like to share a quick story from the offseason that uh, I got to experience uh, with my kids. You know, I don't think enough people really acknowledge the time that coaches spend uh, recruiting, especially uh, this June. I don't think we had one day in June that we didn't have somebody come visit our campus when it was permissible. So it was constant, and they came, and people came from all over, and our staff answered the bell and hosted a lot of prospects coming out of the COVID time and did a wonderful job. But I was able to spend a lot of time in July with my family and wanted to share a quick story that I have three kids that all play different sports. So I get to spend time with my daughter, Julia, at AU basketball. We travel all over and get to watch her play and uh, then get to watch my son, Weston, play tennis. And I spent four nights recently in Rome with some rainouts watching USTA tennis and then uh, my son, Andrew, playing baseball, we get to go around travel. But quick story, when we go to Augusta for five straight days of all-star baseball, five days of one game a day baseball, I take my other two, Julia and Weston, to a restaurant. We get to, to eat there at a fancy little hamburger place uh, in Augusta, and several people come over and want autographs, so I get to you know give a couple autographs. That's part of being the head coach in the SEC. Um, I think uh, held a baby, took a picture, um, did several autographs with young men, and then I had an elderly lady come over to our table and say, you must be somebody famous. And I said, no, ma'am, I certainly don't think so. She said, are you a professional golfer? I said, no, ma'am, I'm not. Thinking Augusta, right? And then she said, are you a NASCAR driver? And I said, no, ma'am, I'm not. And by now, my kids are kind of giggling. And the last one, she said, are you a track star? And my, my daughter almost spit out her food uh, and, and just thought it was hilarious. And at this point, I said, no, ma'am, I, I coach football at the University of Georgia. So I always say humility is a week away. So it was pretty humbling to have the elderly lady accuse me of being a NASCAR driver, golfer, and also a track star, which I couldn't be anything further from the truth. But I got to spend a lot of time with my kids. That's what it's all about to me, being with those those children and being able to watch them play, play their sports. That's my passion. That's what I do in my free time when I'm not getting to recruit. So it's big. I got to do that. It's, it's, it's also important that our players see us as coaches, as real men and fathers. Um, the two young men we're able to bring today, man, I'm excited. Everybody's always excited about their guys. But if you get an opportunity, you won't find a better interview than Jordan Davis. Okay, Jordan Davis is from Charlotte, North Carolina. He is a religion major. He is a big man. Uh, he's been upwards of 370 before. He's been down around 330. We encourage him to be closer to 330. But he has been a big part of our defense. One of the number one reasons we've been able to be uh, stop the run and be one of the top defenses in the country at stopping the run is because of Jordan Davis. But he's a lot better person than he is a player. Um, his mother we recruited, and, and she's a great lady. And to have him here represent the University of Georgia today, please spend time with him and, and ask questions. And he's very uh, intellectual and uh, fun to be around, and he's a great personality. And then JT Daniels, uh, a product of Transfer Portal that came to us uh, last year, has worked his tail off, uh, very humble, hardworking, diligent uh, a film guy, a guy that studies film as hard as anybody. Todd Munkin and our offensive staff, have done a tremendous job with JT and continue to do that to grow him uh, as a player. So I'm excited to have those guys here. He's a psych and sociology major as well. So those guys will be here for you guys to talk to today. Um, we've got a new football facility I want to brag on. It wouldn't be possible without our administration and without our fan support, but it is incredible. Brand new, largest weight room in the country. We've got a new locker room, new coaches' offices, new training room. And I kid Ron Corson all the time. 
He's the best in the country at being an athletic trainer, but he's also the best in the country at acquiring square footage because he has the largest uh, athletic training facility that I've ever seen. And he's done an incredible job with our players, uh, their rehab. And for you guys that don't know, most of our pro players now come back to work out and train with us. So they've got an unbelievable facility with which Ron can treat guys medically in. And we're ahead of the game when it comes to that. So I'm excited about that. I could sit here and brag, guys, and just talk about some of the things that Greg talked about. Four straight uh, New Year's Six Bowl games. We'll have the most players uh, playing in postseason this year graduated that we've ever had. Um, we've got 29 players drafted over the last uh, four years. Nine last year was the, the most we've ever had. There's a lot of things that I can brag on and you guys can print. But the one thing I want to drive home being up here is so important to me, the messaging that you understand – our players collectively came together last year during a lot of the social inequities and, and injustices across the country, and they wanted to have a team meeting. And they wanted to, to, to bring about change. They wanted to be agents of change. And one of the things that spawned from this meeting was I kept preaching, I want some action. I don't want it just to be words. I just don't want it to be uh, lip service. I want some form of action. And a group of our players said, let's form a group named Dogs for Pups. Cortez Hankton and uh, Courtney Gay have headed up that group, Dogs for Pups, and they have been phenomenal in our community. Okay, A couple things they've done I want you to really hit, I want to really hit home. They've raised over $100,000 for Wi-Fi in the Athens-Clark County area so that every child will have an opportunity to do online learning throughout the last year. A lot of kids at home don't have Wi-Fi, don't have that, that capacity. Our players did that, not anybody else, not the coaches. Nobody made them do it. They chose to do it. They had a, a, a food drive where they raised over 30,000 pounds of, of snacks and food for local community uh, shelters and, and also kids in schools. They also raised $100,000 for Downtown Academy, which Greg mentioned, which underprivileged kids get to go to that school. And they continue to work today. When we left uh, last week, they were going out and they read to 13 of the 14 elementary schools across, across uh, Clark County promoting reading to these children. Okay, So all those accolades, all the great things we've been able to do at the University of Georgia, the thing I'm most proud of is what Dogs for Pups is doing. It's a nationally recognized kind of grassroots initiative that Cortez and Courtney have headed up, spearheaded. And that's one of the positive things that's come out of the conversations we were able to have last year and meaningful things that we were able to do. And I'm very proud of what uh, those, those young men have done and continue to do. Um, NIL. I'm going to talk about NIL without you guys raising the question because I think it's important to understand our young men in the sport of football and all athletics really and, and student athletes are getting an opportunity that has not been afforded to anyone before them. You think back to the likes of a of a Heinz Ward or a Champ Bailey at the University of Georgia, an A.J. Green, a Ty Gurley, what they would have been able to do with NIL. These young men and women have earned this opportunity. We are so excited for them. The opportunities are really limitless. I don't think, personally, that it's going to blow up college football or change anything substantially. What we have really been focused on is the education of our student-athletes. Okay, you are now putting on 18 to 21, 22 year olds tremendous time demands. Okay, they already have time management between being a student, being an athlete, and doing everything that we ask them to do. Now they have extra demands placed on them. 
we also have been very educating in selection process of what they choose to do. I think that's one of the key ingredients. I got a, 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 a text from Quavo, who's a, a, an avid Georgia fan, and you'd think, wait, a lot of people in this room probably don't know who Quavo is. The first text I got was two weeks after NIL had started and said, Coach, please tell the players, be selective. Who they put their brand with. Don't just do anything. He used the term thirsty. Don't be thirsty, right? Be selective in what you do, selective in how you handle your branding. You've got tax issues now you've got to deal with. There's a lot of education that we're doing in-house to make this an advantage for our young men. And that's something that we continue to drive home with our players and they understand. We've got two young men today that are here. One has NIL deals, one that doesn't. And that's by their choice. And we know there may be inequities within positions and things, but our team is very confident that we will manage that and that will not be a distraction during our offseason. And I'm excited to see them handle that. Expectations. That's the next one. Got a quote for you here that I really think drives home what we think about expectations at University of Georgia. Success comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Say that again. Success comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. That's Henry David Thoreau. And for me, that's it. I'm too busy working. I'm too busy trying to do the next thing. I'm too busy trying to take the next step to give our team a competitive advantage to really worry about expectations. That's you guys' question today. That's usually what people want to know about. But for me, I'm too busy working to worry about that. We want our team to think the same way. So we've taken a very introspective look this year. After the season last year, we did a, a lot of surveys and a lot of talking to our players. And one of the key words, the, the, the biggest theme came out was connection. You know, when you're on a Zoom with somebody, it's hard to have a connection. When you're not allowed to sit within six feet of somebody, it's hard to have a connection. We had some players that didn't even get to meet and know everybody on the team throughout the season because so much was done uh, through through Zoom and different methods of uh, communication. So connection is one of the key ingredients for this team. We have been, been very intentional about it. We've given up football time. We've given up workout time to spend more time with each other. And that's beginning to pay off as we see it here in the summer with guys leading, guys getting in front of the group and leading skull sessions and being very active. So I'm excited about that part. Um, proud of the expectations for this team. Our team doesn't back down from those expectations. And then the next topic I'd like to hit on is vaccinations. You know, our roster is over 85%. So our, our, our group there is over 85%, and we're proud of that. But we're not stopping there. It's not about a number. It's not about a threshold. I think everybody wants to write who's over and who's under. What it's really about is being able to save our season, being able to keep our players safe, we want to keep our players safe. We want to keep our coaches and staff safe. We want to keep the family members of our players safe. And that comes through vaccinations. And I share quickly and briefly with you one of the key ingredients. We had each of our coaches stand up and, and the guys that got vaccinated and said, hey, you know, why did you get vaccinated? And Dale McGee, one of our African-American coaches and uh, running back coach, did a tremendous job. He, it, it moved me to hear him speak to our team and say, guys, I'm from the same community you are. I got my vaccine for three reasons, okay? Primary reason, I want to spend time around my family. He wants to spend time around his dad, his father. He wants to be around his family and be safe to do that. That's the primary reason he got it. Second reason, he wanted to be a pillar in the community. He wanted to be a representative in the community. He wanted to show the people in his community where he's from that it's safe and be a role model to do it. And the third 
probably most important, is he had had COVID before, and he didn't want to go through it again. And for our players to hear that coming from Dale McGee, that was very impactful. And Ron Corson and his staff have done a tremendous job. I mean, I know I keep mentioning Ron Corson, but over the last year, he is the MVP because we are where we are and we are moving forward because we're not stopping just because you get over 85%. We're trying to keep our team safe, keep our team at a competitive advantage so that we don't lose playing time with our players. And so with that, I'll open it up for questions. I know I didn't talk much about the depth charts in the team, but I know you guys will ask those questions. Thank you, Coach. If you have a question, please raise your hand. We have Abby, Christian, and Catherine. We'll get a microphone to you, and then we'll uh, go ahead and start with questions. So we'll start over here on the front row here on the left with Tom. Hey, Kirby. Tom Murphy, Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Tom. Through your introspection and self-evaluation of last season, where, where do you need to be better to win the East this year? You need to be better everywhere. I mean, you starts with everything we do, but the introspection was more for us to find maybe a different way to do things and uh, hear a different voice, and we've done that. I think uh, the weekly meetings we've had that we've drawn time away from football have been incredible. The gains we've received in players being able to confront each other. You know, it's easy to say the guy's not doing his job to, to demand him to do it right, but it's, it's hard when you have a unified group pulling in the same direction to be the outlier. And we've tried to make that more difficult through our introspection and through our meetings and through our growth as a team. And I'm just excited to see the dividends of that in fall camp uh, of where we can go and where we can get better. Coach, we'll stay right in the same section, two rows back. Hey, Coach, Chase Goodbread with NFL.com. Do you think that for the elite players, the guys that are headed to the NFL, that the name, image, likeness opportunities – can benefit them as a way to expose them to the business side of football before they get to the NFL where it's even more of a business? Yes and no. I mean, I, I definitely that experience can be valuable for them, but they probably are the ones that have to be the most careful with brand selection because, you know, if your identity becomes the lowest on the totem pole just to get $200, $300, that's not going to be real good branding when you get the opportunity to go to the NFL. So those guys – probably need it the least, although they're the most valuable because they're the face of the organization. They're the high draft pick. But they need to be the most selective because what you brand yourself with doesn't change. Okay, we'll go in the center section on the left aisle. Coach. Hey, Kirby, Connor Riley, Dog Nation. In the past, you've said you only want to use the transfer portal on a need basis. So what needs do the three guys that you did bring in, Arik Gilbert, Tyke Smith, and Darian Kendrick, help fill? Well, the first two, the defensive backs, you know, we, we're, we're under our scholarship quota defensive back. We're in search of trying to improve. We had two guys come out early. We had two guys going to the portal. So we were at a deficit just from sheer scholarship numbers, not to mention experience. So those two guys bring an immense amount of experience. Um, and then with Arik, it's a, it, it, anytime you can get a skill player on offense that can do things with the ball, I think you're always looking to be uh, dynamic. You look at the teams who've won national championships recently, they're most dynamic on offense and at the skill positions. Coach, we'll go over to the right-hand section, about three-quarters of the way back. Kirby, Pete Thamel from Yahoo to kind of continue the thought you just said about the diamondism on offense. Uh, the last handful of national title winners, we've really seen quarterbacks who've been able to stretch the field and have really played at – an elite highest level in the sport. Do you think JT has that type of arm talent to, to be comparable to those guys? And where, did, where do you need to see him to grow to get there? Absolutely, he has that arm talent. I actually don't think that arm talent is the number one quality for being a great quarterback. There's a lot that goes into being an elite quarter, quarterback. The two guys that were the last two years national champions, 
they were really good quarterbacks. They were great decision makers. They were actually better athletes than people give them credit for. The decision-making process, touchdown to interception ratio, protecting the ball, um, using your playmakers, which both had really good playmakers around them. JT has those skill sets. You know, Coach Munkin has that experience doing it in the NFL. I mean, with Tampa Bay, they led the league in, in passing. So he has, we have the, the recipe for those things. we got to stay healthy. we got to protect the quarterback. And we got to find some more skill, skill uh, players to make plays for us. Coach, we'll go back over to the left section. Coach over here, JoeGoodmanAL.com. I was wondering if you could tell me the story of how you became to have the cell phone number of Quavo. And, uh, then, and secondly, another question, um, the NIL, how has that changed recruiting so far? And um, have you seen a trickle-down effect to high school? Haven't seen a trickle-down effect to high school. Uh, has it affected recruiting? It's a discussion, but... How has it affected recruiting? I don't think it's impacted recruiting, especially when you talk about SEC versus SEC recruiting. We're under very similar parameters in terms of that, so it doesn't make for a competitive advantage. I think the biggest concern, and I think Commissioner Sankey hit on it yesterday, is federal legislation would be nice because if you looked and you combed across the country, not everybody's playing by the same rules. In other words, some schools are allowed to arrange deals some schools are not allowed to arrange deals. In the SEC, our footprint has been very uh, simplified, and it's very com it's, it's, it's com the competitive balance is there. So there's not a distinct advantage. That's not necessarily true across the country. So it has not affected recruiting in a grand way. Does that change as more deals come out? Possibly. As far as Cuevo, that started back around the playoff run, national championship run. He reached out, uh, communicated through a couple of our players. He's come and spoke to our team before. So I have a lot of uh, cell phone numbers in my phone. Coach, we'll go right in front of me about three-quarters of the way back, middle section. Hey, Coach, Jay Crane from the J-Boy Show. Can you just talk about the importance of having a spring practice and a summer when the team is really formed as opposed to kind of last year with the craziness of not having the whole team be able to go to a full spring and a summer to bring the group together? Yeah, I can't even put that into words. I mean, I think the biggest difference uh, is, is spring practice. You know, having spring practice and the summer workout program that is traditional in terms of conditioning, getting yourself ready for the heat, we didn't even have that last year. So you can't even put a measurement on that, not to mention a new quarterback with a new coordinator. So it, it was extremely different. And having – you don't appreciate spring practice till you don't have it. Let's just say that. A lot of people – a lot of states – in, in, in the United States don't have spring practice for their high school programs. So the development of those young men is impacted. The footprint of the SEC, almost every state, has spring practice. And you can see why in the roster that we have with the young guys who've been impacted of having a spring practice. I'm talking about mid-years and players last year that didn't get it. Coach, we'll go over to the right side again. Near Al. Hey, Kirby, Jed May of UGASports.com. Sort of speaking on that spring practice thing, how have you seen the relationship between JT and Todd Monk and grow this, you know, in a somewhat normal offseason? And, you know, how critical is that relationship, you know, especially between a quarterback and an offensive coordinator? Well, it's, it's the biggest relationship there is because it's, you know, it's not a set of positions. Every other position has multiple starters, different guys that play at quarterback. It's not typically that way. So whoever your starting quarterback is, he has to have direct communication. Um, you treat a quarterback different at times. You know, you give him lines of communication to tell you things he likes and doesn't like. Um, and they have that. You know, Todd does a great job speaking with JT, and JT understands what he likes to do. Um, JT does a great job of making sure that he's keeping skilled players uh, accountable 
for what they have to do and, and demanding that, that there's excellence. I mean, I appreciate the thought that JT puts into the game plan. I appreciate the thought that he puts into the guys playing positions around him. That shows that he's a true quarterback and a true leader. Coach will go right in front of me, three rows back. Hey, Kirby, Jordan Hill with the Black Auburn News. I want to ask about Mike Bobo. Just what's that relationship been like going back to y'all's playing days together? And what do you think Auburn is getting with him being the offensive, quarter, uh, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach? Uh, Mike and I have a relationship that goes really far back. Both our fathers were high school coaches, cross-town rivals, and we grew up kind of competing against each other and then got to live together in college. So uh, he's a dear friend and uh, uh, close to their family and uh, excited for him to be back in the SEC. I think he makes the SEC a, uh, a better conference and uh, glad to get him back this way. Okay, we'll stay in that same section uh, right next door. Go ahead. Hey, Coach. Uh, ben Portnoy with the State Newspaper. Obviously, Shane Beamer was on your staff for a couple of years. Uh, what do you remember most about Shane as an assistant and working with you and now seeing him on the head coaching stage as well? You just kind of what comes to mind and what is that like to see? The preparation he puts into special teams, tight end play, whatever he's in charge of, he spends a lot of time and he takes a lot of pride in the performance. And that's what successful people do. You know, they take a lot of pride in their performance. They want it to be right. Uh, you know, I, I like to think that it's a demanding place uh, that, we, that we work at. He did a tremendous job meeting those demands. Coach, we'll go around the right-hand side or the middle section. Connor O'Gara, Saturday Down South. Kirby, can you explain kind of the, the backstory of, of Jordan Davis deciding to come back to school? Because I think there was a lot of people who watched the Peach Bowl and assumed that after the performance he had that he would go off to the NFL. Yeah, it's not a big backstory. I mean, we have a, a process we go through of educating our players. We get them information. Jordan was very deliberate about, I want to get information, coach. I'm not making a decision prior to. And in this day and age, I don't know that that happens all the time. I think a lot of kids make their mind up. Uh, it's a predetermined uh, decision. And he didn't do it that way. He's got wonderful guidance at home. His, his mom, Miss Shea, that's his why. Trey Scott's done a tremendous job with his relationship uh, with Jordan. And, and Jordan wanted to graduate. You know, it's really important to him that he graduates. He wanted to have a better season. He wanted an opportunity to do what so many other SEC players have been able to do to move up, and a lot of times the financial reward for moving up is greater than going right where he is. And he enjoys the college game, and I think he's excited about playing uh, in Charlotte. You know, he gets to go back to his hometown and, and open this season there. Coach, we'll go right down front here in the second row. Hey, uh, Kirby, this is uh... – Brandon, uh, with the, uh, making, uh, telegraph. Um, wanted to follow up on, uh, Darian Kendrick. I mean, how did the opportunity to add him come about? And I know obviously he hasn't been on campus for too long, but what's the significance of adding an all ACC player like that? I mean, as you said, in a secondary that's, that didn't even have the scholarship, uh, quarter. Yeah, DK is uh, a kid that we knew through recruiting. We recruited him at University of Georgia, but uh, Coach Muschamp also recruited him at South Carolina. So both of us felt like we had a, a good feel for his family and uh, his dynamic there. And he's a young man that uh, comes from a program that's been very successful. And he's played and had a lot of experience. And when you look at what the portal took away from us and we lost, we, we were able to gain as well. And I think that's an interesting uh, situation when you look across the board at what's going to happen to the future of college football, whether it be NIL, combination of portal, of you know the haves and have-nots, 
and that, that line of parity separating even more because we were able to get a guy that had a lot of great experience playing, and we needed someone at that position having lost, uh, you know, four DBs, uh, it, you know, that all got drafted. It, it, was, it was a dynamic situation that we had to replace. Okay, we'll take one last question. Center section on the left aisle. Gianna Hahn, AL.com. Demetrius Robertson headed over to Auburn. What are they getting out of him as a player, and are you looking forward to seeing him again during the season? D-Rob's a tremendous uh, young man. He's a kid that I feel like I've known. I mean, I can go all the way back to the years at Alabama when we were recruiting D-Rob as a young player, and then I come to Georgia, continue to recruit him, don't get him, get him by transfer, and now he's uh, – going to graduate this summer and be able to go to Auburn. So I, I'm so excited for D-Rob because he's a great young man. I mean, this young man did everything the right way. Uh, he's, got, he's got a lot of speed. He's a vertical threat. Uh, I know Bobo and those guys at Auburn are excited to get him. Good, Smart, thank you for your time. Thank you, guys. <laughs>